0: thanks for listening to our podcast recorded live at gateway church ashford you can find out more about us on our website gatewaychurchashford.co.uk hey gateway church ben goodman here greetings from across the pond Um, i miss you guys i pray for you often I talk to Barney and Graham probably way too much. Sometimes we even talk about church. Um, I miss you and love you. Um, Barney asked uh, if I could share a couple messages um, over the next uh, couple Sundays. And um, so if you don't like any of the messages, it's Barney's fault. You can blame him. I'm just trying to serve. Um, Obviously, we're in really crazy interesting circumstances if anybody even thinks like oh yeah i know what god's doing i know exactly where we're going and how it's all going to turn out well that's an extraordinary claim we do know that god's doing a lot of things and one of the most important for us as people of god is to know how to navigate um, the journey that god has set out for us So for the next two um, messages, I'm going to be talking about how to navigate the journey that God has for us, not only as individuals or as families, but also as a church family. How to navigate the challenges that are before us and do it in a way where we grow, the kingdom of God is advanced, and God gets the glory. Um, Those sound like cliches, but really those are God's plans for us. Speaking of plans, I hope you know that before we were even born, God had a plan for our lives. We're God's workmanship. He he has a template and a plan of the kind of people we can become and the kind of purposes we can uh, fulfill. These are what I I believe God would call promises. He makes these promises. This is who you are. This is who you can become. This is what you can uh, accomplish. And as we follow God, we experience God's promises. This is true not only for individuals, but this is true for a whole church family. Churches are not just churches. They're not just organizations. They have histories, they have journeys, they have beginnings, they have middles, and they have futures. So I want to talk about how to navigate this journey that God has set out for us, how we can experience and go further in the promises of God. Before I do, I just want to, one thing of encouragement, there is nothing in your individual or corporate circumstances, nothing that can remove the promises of God from your life. As a matter of fact, challenging circumstances are the processes that God uses for us to experience the promises that God has for us. So just Keep that in mind. I want to talk about Israel, of course. We can learn a lot from Israel. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, we're told we can learn a lot about how to live now by how God dealt with and led the people of Israel. Hopefully you know the story. If not, read the Bible. It's a great story. The people of God, Israel, they were held captive. They were enslaved in Egypt and then at the right time god raised up moses a great leader anointed by god and very dependent on god and god used moses to deliver um, uh, israel out of egypt out of slavery out of bondage very similar to what jesus does with us before we receive jesus as our lord before he delivers us we are held captive to sin we are we're in bondage we're you know, we worship the things of the world. We're stuck. Sometimes we know it. Sometimes we don't. But we're stuck. And then God reaches in, convicts us, and then delivers us from sin, from captivity, from the world system. But God does not just want to deliver us from certain things. He wants to deliver us so that we can experience His promises. This happened with Israel. God made promises Concerning Israel's calling, its destiny. There was a land of milk and honey, a land of fruitfulness, a land of peace, a land of incredible blessing. This land was very different than what they'd been used to, and it was decidedly better. It was so much better that it was actually other. It's not like the the land of milk and honey was sort of a, a mild improvement over slavery. It was different. It was other. In other words, God's promises talk about a state of affairs where these people had never been before. They probably had ideas, but they had never been there before. So God delivered them and he led them on this journey. Hopefully you know the story, this journey uh, through the desert. It was a circuitous route. There's a whole bunch of challenges and battles and all that but throughout the whole journey God kept on blessing and providing that was testimony after testimony of the goodness of God how he blessed how he healed yes he disciplined but he was always being a source of blessing to his people now one of the first things we should take note of the blessings of God is not the same as experiencing the destiny or the promise of God. The people of Israel, they experienced the blessings of God, but they had not yet experienced the promised land. They had not not uh, yet gotten there. So we live so that we can experience God's blessing. I, I love God's blessings. However, the blessings of God is not the same thing as experiencing the fullness of God's promise for our life. Again, this is true for individuals for families and for whole church families. So one day, you, you can pick this up in Numbers chapter 13, Moses, he's getting closer and he sends these spies into the land. Moses can't see it, but he sends these spies into the land. And two of the spies were Joshua and Caleb. They were sent into the promised land so they could just get a touch, so they get their eyes on, so they experience just a little bit of the promise of God. When they returned, all 12 spies, they were excited. These promises are real. It's not just a fantasy. It's not just, it's not an empty promise. This is real. The land does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. It's all great. It's all wonderful. Then 10 of them started adding more details to their journey. Said, Yeah, the promises are great. Here's the fruit. And oh, by the way, it's inhabited by some powerful people. Yeah, and they live in these large, fortified cities. Nothing wrong with that so far. And guess what? We saw the descendants of Anak, which is really descendants of a race of giants, really big, tall people. At this point, after they talked about the promises of God, immediately their souls started going, yeah, yeah, there's these cities and these really tall people that they're not yet gripped by fear. Have you ever met someone when you talk to them about some great things and their first reaction is that's a great idea. I'm really excited, but, and the buts are not, we should consider this so that we can go forward. The buts are the very beginnings of great idea, but now we're not going to be able to pull it off. That's what these spies were doing. And Caleb saw the momentum of fear building, and he interjects. Actually, he silenced them. He interrupted them. And he said, no, really, uh, we should go up and we should take possession of the land. We should experience this, not just agree with it and get excited at the prospect. We should experience it. We can certainly do this. So he interrupts this chain of fear, this momentum of fear that was starting to develop in the other spies. And then in numbers 13 verse 31 and following uh, it says this but the men who had gone up with caleb said ah, we can't attack these people they're stronger than we are and they spread amongst the israelites a bad report about the land they explored they said the land we explored it devours those living in it all the people we saw they're of great size we saw the nephilim there the descendants of anak and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes Notice how they started? Yeah, there were these obstacles, and now these things, there was a momentum of fear that was starting to rule their eyesight, to rule their vision, to even rule their appreciation of the promises of God. And then later, it says, That night, All the members of the community started raising their voices, and they wept aloud. Have you heard a whole bunch of Jewish people start wailing, Oy, oy, this is no good. We have the promise, but it's going to be too hard. That's what they were doing. Imagine thousands of them doing that. Then all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, Oh, if only we had died in Egypt, or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt, they said to each other. We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. You know, when we go through challenges, many times the familiar is something we're more used to. And the idea of going forward in the face of challenges, it scares us. And um, that's what happened to these people. They, they, The promise, they're great. We've experienced, we've tasted But there's this obstacle. There's this and this and this. And if you notice the momentum of fear, eventually is you start questioning God, questioning God's plan. And then you start going, remember the good old days? We should go back to Egypt. It wasn't so bad. It's amazing. During this time of the the virus, there's a lot of things that have happened in church. Church, as we know it, has been really shaken. And there's going to be this... If only we can get through this so we can go back to what we used to. What if God has other ways of expanding the kingdom through his church? What if, what if it's ways that we've never seen, we're just starting to experience and it's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard. I'm still learning how to use an iPhone for crying out loud. It's hard, but there's something about the newness and my natural reaction is, Oh yes, I see how I could reach people, really good, expand the kingdom of God through, through, through social media. Oh, I get it, it's really good, but I'm really not good with the iPhone. As a matter of fact, I could screw up with the iPhone. iPhone's really not that personal. I'm going to go to a church that did it the old way. It's a very natural thing, what the hum- humans do. And that's what they, we should go back to the old ways. We should go back to Egypt. Now I'm not criticizing the people of Israel because whether or not the fear is well grounded, the fear is real. Imagine your own situation. It it could be you look at your future, you have an idea of what God can do with your family, you know, your finances, um, how, how you could advance the kingdom. You have all these ideas and here you are. You're hemmed in. There are things you can't do. Maybe, you know, there's some grief, you've lost people who have died. There's all this sort of stuff, and you know something? The fear is real. The fear is real. And sometimes it goes to the point where you go, mm, pushing forward is too hard. Let's settle. No, let's go back to the old ways. Many times without saying these words, we say things in our heads and in our hearts. The promise is not worth the pain. Sometimes we actually believe in our hearts. The obstacles and challenges that are before us they are bigger than the promises of God and we wouldn't we know theologically it's not true but in our hearts we think that these challenges are actually bigger than God himself. The prospects of real or imagined challenges they reveal areas of our soul that God wants to bring healing deliverance um, and even, even increased amounts of faith. When it comes to fear We should understand where fear comes from. Um, Forget that the enemy, you know, just pour gas on our uh, our fires of fear. But sometimes we're afraid of challenges. Why? Because we're afraid of failure. Why are we afraid of failure? We're afraid of shame. There's something about that. If we don't do it right, if it doesn't work, something wrong with us. We feel ashamed. In our church, we have this thing. I don't know if we live it out well, but we say, hey, failure is not fatal. Try some. If it doesn't work, what are you going to learn from it? Failure is not fatal. But our natural souls, our natural souls go, if it doesn't work, I'm going to fail. And if I fail, I'm ashamed there's something wrong with me. Sometimes we're just flat out afraid of the future. And I know for my life, When I'm afraid of the future, there's two things I do that sort of make me more fearful. Here's the first one. I project who I think I am now, and I project who I think I am, what I can, can't do, my temperaments, my weaknesses, my strengths. I project that person into the future, and I go, this me that's in the future, I can't pull that off. So I I, I take who I, I don't factor in the fact that in the process, God just might equip me. He might transform me. That the me I'm going to be in this future is going to be a little different. Maybe me 2.0 compared to where I am right now. And the other thing, and it's hard to do this when we look into the future, it's hard to factor in God we don't know what's going god's going to do or how he's going to do it what the timing of all that sort of stuff so we project a very limited view of ourselves into a, a, an uncertain future and we we don't know how to factor in god so that we can go yeah we can go after this we can somehow Caleb was able to surmount all that and go god said i know who he is i believe his promises i know he can bring us so all these people are afraid, it's getting worse. And then, then, then Numbers uh, 14 verses 5 through 10, read along with me if you'd like. Uh, then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there, which is pretty interesting. If You've ever been a leader and people start grumbling. I don't know about you. I get mad. I get upset. I get hurt. These guys had a better response. They go, whoa, I'm not going to react to this. I'm not going to take personal. I'm going to hit the deck because this is uh-oh time. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes. They're going, oh! Or modern-day, oy vey. They're going, oh, this is horrible. This is not good. And they said to the entire assembly, the land we passed through, he's trying to remind, they're trying to remind him, the land we passed through and explored, it is exceedingly good. That the Lord is pleased with us, which he is, he will lead us into that land. He's got a plan. He's got a strategy. He's got tactics. He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he'll give it to us. They're trying to counteract, counteract that momentum of fear. Sometimes, honestly, I'm going to speak like an American. M- mainly, I'm insensitive. Sometimes, when people are really fearful, I know I should validate their feelings and comfort them and all. And in America, it's just sort of not nice to challenge someone's fear. Because like, you are know, not taking them seriously, you're not loving them. And, and I understand sometimes people can be way too bold and way too heavy-handed. But Caleb's sitting there going, no, the momentum of fear that your soul is on, that moment, stop, stop, really, the promise is there. God's got a plan. He's really going to pull it off. He's not condemning them. He's trying to get their focus off all these obstacles. And then he says something that's a little harsh, but it's good for us to really see what fear eventually leads to. I'm not saying that fear always involves what I'm going to say, but it'll eventually lead to this. It says, God will give it to us, only don't rebel against the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Eventually, fear will get to the place where God wants us to do this. And because of fear, we go, no. And we're actually rebelling against the leading of God. And don't be afraid of these people because we're going to eat them up. We'll devour them. We can do this. Their protection is gone. The Lord, God, he's with us. So don't be afraid of them. What Caleb was trying to say, well, I think he did a pretty good job, is he didn't deny the existence of the challenges and the obstacles. He didn't. He was not full of faith. You know, you know how some people go, I'm not sick because I've been healed. You can't believe in the healing of God unless you believe that people can get sick. Caleb had a wide-eyed idea. said, yeah, there are giants in the land. There are challenges. But he saw those challenges as opportunities instead of obstacles. That perspective was something that that really marked Caleb and also Joshua. Another way of putting this is God and his promises are bigger than the giants in your land and in your hearts. You know how they reacted to Caleb's encouragement? The whole assembly talked about stoning them try to help people, and they just get mad at you. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me, in spite of all the signs I have performed amongst them? God takes it personally. He's not touchy. He's not oversensitive. But he's going, i got some great promises for you. This is where you are. Here's some obstacles. But i got these great promises. And God's taking it personally in that you're showing me contempt. You don't believe I can pull this off. You, you, you think I'm trying to trick you. Or that your capacities have more power than my abilities. It, it sounds like a hard word, but for me it's a very liberating word when I go, wait a second. God is God. He can pull this off. I'm not going to treat him with contempt. I'll be scared at times. I'll go, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe in you. Show me the way. I'll obey you. Help me through the journey so I can experience why I'm here on planet earth. God equips us to meet the challenges that he has set for us. A lot of the obstacles and challenges that we think get in the way are actually put there by God so that we can learn how to fight, how to do warfare, how to do things his way, how we get transformed and strengthened. A lot of these things where we go, oh, woe is me, these are actually opportunities to grow in our knowledge of God and to experience all the things that God has for us. In Numbers 14.24, this is what God said. He says, no one who has treated me with contempt will ever see the promised land. Now this This sounds sort of horrible, but it's really not. Everybody who came out of Egypt and went toward the promised land, God blessed them. He blessed them with provision. He took care of them. He healed them. He fought their battles for them, all that sort of stuff. But they died not because they were smitten by God. They just died outside the promises of God. But God still blessed them. He still blessed them. I personally don't want to play it safe. I don't want to be reckless. I don't want to be foolish. But if God's got more for me, oh God, please teach me, lead me, guide me. Uh, give me the perspective of Caleb to see these these challenges as opportunities instead of obstacles. What do you want to teach me? What do you want to do? This is what God says about Caleb. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, and follows me wholeheartedly. I'll bring him into the land that he had went to, and his descendants will inherit it. What a great promise. Now, some people might say, well, that was Caleb, but this is me. The Spirit of God can give us so many things that we don't have in the natural, one of which is perspective. The other one is courage. For me personally, for my family, my church family, the churches I work with, everybody is being brought to this place of, do we want to be like the spies, those other spies, or do we want to be like Caleb? Are we going to look at these challenges as obstacles or even reasons to go back uh, to play it safe? Or are we going to, oh gosh, what's your plan? how do we follow you and i believe if we ask god for the heart of caleb he'll gladly give it to us part part of going forward doing the, during these certain uncertain times part of it includes god teaching us transforming us so we can see these things uh, not the way the other spies did but said oh, god's got a promise god's got a plan I'm not going to let fear gain momentum in me. My focus is going to be on the Lord. So I want to pray not just for y'all, but for us, for myself, for my family, that God would give us uh, the heart of Caleb. Lord Jesus, first, many of us struggle with fear at various levels. Your love It does not medicate us. Your love has a supernatural power. Your love drives out all fear. Let nobody be condemned. Let nobody be ashamed that they struggle with fear. Let nobody beat themselves up because they've let momentum of fear sort of integrate into their life. Lord, I ask right in the place where they're most fearful, would you pour out your love? Pour out your grace. May they experience the love of God that not only makes us feel secure, but it drives out fear. And God, I ask, by your mercy, by your grace, would you supernaturally deposit it in us, the heart of Caleb. For those of us who may have that, God, would you expand it so we can encourage others. Uh, This won't make us supermen but it'll help us navigate effectively the the, the journey you have for us so that we could experience the promises of God. And God, we don't want to experience the promise of God just for ourselves. We want to do it so that our descendants can experience the promises of God. Amen. God bless you.